Heavenly Father, thanks again for this day. Thank you for this time that we have together to um, be in your presence, um, but also to be in your word and to be with each other. It's through community and through being together that we can grow closer to you um, because we learn from each other, we lean on each other, and we grow. So help us, Lord, to, to desire that kind of community in our lives where we have people that would take care of us when there's a surgery coming, but also would lift us up and encourage us just in every part of our daily lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So today, as we lit the peace candle, we're going to talk about the name of Jesus as Lord of Lords, which has lots of connotations to it. Um, and if you look through the Bible, and, or if you have a super cool Bible software like I do, um, you can see just how many hundreds of times the word Lord is mentioned throughout the Scripture. But there's only six times that it, Jesus is called Lord of Lords. He's called Lord a lot, um, but he's only called Lord of Lords a few times. And there's reasons for that. Before we even get into uh, the implications of the scripture that mention this, we have to just kind of wrap our heads around the idea of Jesus as Lord. What it means to call someone Lord. It's very much lost on us in this connotation. There's not a person I know that I call Lord. There's no one when I go to pay the mortgage, I don't write to the Lord's who own my mortgage, please accept my remittance so that you do not take my home from me. I don't write uh, at the end of the year when I write my tax check to the federal government. I don't go to my lords in Washington. Here is my portion of the money you're going to use for whatever means you deem necessary, because clearly my vote is not significant enough for you to ask me what to spend it on. Thank you, your vassal, Mike. We don't do that anymore, um, especially in America. We don't really function in that kind of a system where we have lords over us. Now, I would argue we still do, and that's later in the sermon, but we don't really function like that. The idea of a lord is someone that has total authority over you, complete and total authority over you, has a control in your life that you would lean upon them, you would, you would glean from them what to do, how to do it, but this person has control over you. And we as good Americans are going to say, no one's Lord over me, I do what I want. I'm not going to do those kinds of things. But I would argue, and we'll get there as we go along, we have lots of little lords in our lives, and Jesus is supposed to be the Lord of lords. Now, historically, we see this kind of stuff, and I found some great graphics from the old high school history phases. I knew some places to search. Um, if you are a student of medieval European history, then this might be somewhat familiar to you, or if you watched um, lots of movies around the Middle Ages. You had a king, and you had lords, and you had um, the soldiers, the knights, the vassals, and then you had the peasants down below. And so this hierarchy of, of lordship isn't new. This is a Middle Age, Middle, Age, Middle Age version of this. But in the time that the scriptures are being written, there are kings, there are lords, there are people underneath and beneath. And so when you call Jesus Lord of Lords, especially we see in Luke, as the angel says, this is the Messiah. He will be Lord of Lords. That this little baby is going to be the Lord of Lords. That there's no other one that's above the Messiah. No, one, no one's above Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of all. He's also called King of Kings. That there's no other king above Jesus. There's no other king that's going to have control or rape, well, we don't often understand that. And so we, we look to old pictures of the past, 
um, pictures of coronations and big courts and all these things and throne rooms and but even pops up in other religions. In Hinduism, you have a caste system that's still alive and well today, where there's a hierarchy of ruler and leader and who's important and who's not and who has more prestige and who is above and below, and then all the way down to the untouchables, the Dalits. If you've known anything about Indian culture or been around any Hindus, um, there's, a, there's parts of society in India that they're called untouchable. That if, if they come in contact with someone in a higher caste, then they, they can be killed. They can be used as, as just chaff. They're, they're considered untouchable people who are worthless. And in a Hindu caste system of constant um, reincarnation, and the whole goal is just to keep going up and down the reincarnation system to go all the way up to the priests or the leaders or the scholars, and you run through this system your entire life. And someone is always on top of you. Someone's always the Lord of you. Someone's always above you. And you have to be careful. Don't get out of line. But in the scriptures, we see that Jesus is Lord of Lords. He's the one that's in charge. Paul, in his ending to his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he describes fighting the good fight and do these things and build the church. And Timothy, you're doing great in Ephesus and you need to make sure that you're working hard and he ends it like this. To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, his second coming, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This is Paul writing to Timothy, his spiritual son, saying, Timothy, as you fight the good fight, as you lead this church, as you proclaim the kingdom of God, don't forget. Don't forget that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Now why would he tell him, why would he remind him these things? Because the whole culture around Timothy is going to be pressing in on him. You got to do it this way. There's all these little lords, there's all these things you got to do, follow the rules. It's Roman-occupied territory. Do what the Romans say. Do what everyone else says. And he says, no. Jesus is King of King and Lord of Lords. So whatever comes your way, fight against it. Whatever comes your way, don't forget that Jesus is the only one that matters. That His rule and reign in our lives is all that matters. Everything else is just part of living this life. If you know the history of the church, the church has not done very well at this in a lot of places in a lot of ways, where the church is allowed, the pushings of the culture in, and we see things that are, in a, that are just profane. We're called to love each other and care for each other and take care of the innocent and to defend the weak and to stand in the gap and fight back evil. We're called to do all of these things, and then someone else becomes Lord in your life, or you start giving yourself over to some other entity and then we start giving away Jesus as Lord, and we say, well, the government's going to be my Lord. I signed up for this, and I'm going to go do these things that are against Christ, that are against what the Bible would say, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just following the rules. Well, you know, they voted it in. It's, it's legal over here, so I guess I'm just going to allow it. I'm just going to let it happen. Well, okay. 
it's no longer illegal to do these things, so I guess it's okay for us to just go for it. That's not. Jesus is Lord of everything. You defend the innocent. You protect the weak. You put no one above yourself. You defend your neighbor. You take care of those who are hurting. And we don't, we don't have the option as Christians to say, well, you know, it's legal in that state now, so I guess it's okay for me. Well, I guess, you know, we made it easier to do these things. Well, that's the culture. I'm going to follow my feelings. I'm going to follow what I think. I'm going to... We don't get that option. If Jesus is Lord of Lords, that puts him above all of those institutions. And just because our government says it's legal or our government says it's okay or the government of another nation says it's okay doesn't mean that it makes it okay for us. Jesus is Lord. If I go to Amsterdam, where there's a red light district, do I, as a Christian, get to walk into Amsterdam and say, well, you know, it's legal in this country. I'm going to spend a week with multiple different women all up and down the street here in Amsterdam. Do I get to do that? No. Jesus is Lord. That is an, that's not okay. It's against his design for relationship. And you can apply this a multitude of ways across the spectrum. If Jesus is Lord, then he's the one we follow. Right? We see this in multiple places across the scriptures. In Ephesians, Paul writes again, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only is this age, not in this age, but also in the one to come. And he puts all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's the one that's in charge. Like the flow chart of every church should be Jesus at the top. And then you can put pastors, elders, deacons, you can put all, but Jesus has to be the top. Um, and one of the first things you see, if you see an organizational chart for an organization, especially a Christian organization, and they always put people on top, I always go, uh-oh, be careful. Jesus is Lord of everything. Because if you put some people in charge on top, we're the ones that are fallible. Jesus has to be in the one on the top, even to the church. The fullness of him flows through the church. In Revelation, we see what's going to happen at the end. Jesus comes back as Lord. His clothes is a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God to the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That Jesus came to be, our, be the Lamb, the sacrifice. We're going through Genesis. The promise of, we just got to talk about Noah, and the sacrificial system that was started in the ark, and started in or when he got out of the ark, that he had clean animals in the ark, and he gets out of the ark, and it begins the sacrificial system of worship. We see this happen that points to Jesus being the sacrificial lamb that died for our sins. So he came once as the lamb. When he returns, he comes as the lion. He's the lion of Judah. He's coming back as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And when this happens, this picture of Jesus riding on a white horse, coming to strike down nations and say, I've allowed you to think 
that you are in charge. No more. No more. I'm in charge. It's me. I'm Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And everybody will bow. That's who we worship. That's who we talk about. That's who we read about throughout the scriptures is he's in charge. To the point where he tells us, he gives us our marching orders as people. And Jesus came to the disciples. All authority in heaven and earth. And the word all, translated in Greek, just means all. It's kind of an all-encompassing word. Authority means all. It means everything. He's in control. You don't get to put in there, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Except when I don't like it. Except when my heart doesn't think that. Except when my friends influence me to this. Except when some random author comes along or some guy has a website or some gal has an a, a article she's written. And I'm going to follow that because I don't want Jesus to be in authority. I don't want him to be in charge of my life. I really want to do what I want to do. And I found some random person over here that thinks like me. So now I'm going to go grab a hold of them and say, well... Now we're on the same page. When Jesus tells the disciples, I'm in charge. All authority in heaven and earth. I am God in flesh. I am the one who you should be looking to for everything. Now he gives us the marching orders. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So if he tells us, go, make disciples, you don't get to have the, that, that conversation where you're like, well, you know, I just don't. I, I know Jesus has all authority. I know that he's Lord of Lord and King of Kings. I know that everything has been given to him, and he's told me that I'm to live my life a certain way, but I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I know he's told me that to talk to people and to be in a community and to share the name of Jesus. And I, you know, I need to, I need to be in my, in the people's lives that are around me and I need to help them out. I need to be there for them. I need to show them the truth, but that's exhausting. (coughs) I think I'm just going to watch basketball instead. And I'll cheer on those guys. I'll even pray for the players on the team, but I'm not going to go talk to my neighbor. I'm not going to, involve my coworkers. I'm not going to get involved in my coworkers' lives. I'm not going to reach out to people. Or, how about the, the time frame in this? Since some of you are in this room are a little older than me. Not all of you, but some of you. And behold, I'm with you always, to the end of the age. So when do you get to retire from telling people about Jesus or being a Christian or serving in the kingdom? When do you get to retire from that? Uh, at the end of the age. That means until he returns or you die. You don't get to retire from being caring and loving and helping other people, and you don't get to do that. Now, it might look different. You might not be crawling around in the nursery in your 90s, but you don't get to just stop loving people or stop caring for people, stop forgiving people. You don't get to do that. Jesus is authority. He's the one. We love to proclaim that when he has authority over sin and death, don't we? Jesus has authority over sin and death. He went to that cross. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. I'm free of that. I'm free of hell. I'm free of 
pain and suffering because I will be with him forever. Yes and amen. But when he says, hey, it's not about building a giant retirement account. It's not about having a seashell collection, as John Piper would tell us. It's not about having your own issues and holding on tight to anger and holding on tight to things that have hurt you or things that you have done. Or No, it's, he has all authority. He's everything. We continue to see in Romans, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. We love the authority of Romans, but we not, we're not so sure about the authority of Matthew 28. Because here, because of his authority, he's Lord of, Lord of all, we get freedom. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The road to salvation is you submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's you realizing he loves you so much that he died for you. He loves you so much that he's going to wash away every tear. He's going to cleanse you of everything that you've ever done against him. And he's going to welcome you with open arms over and over and over and over again. And that authority we love. When I do a little bit of self-reflection, I did this week a little bit. I didn't make a list because I was afraid of making a list. I was going to make a list of all the parts of my life that Jesus isn't Lord of right now. And I started thinking that way, and I got really terrified real fast. I'm like, man, I really stink at a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff I try to hold on to that I just want to be mine. I want it to be like anger, resentment, you know, things that wrongs done in the past and even in the last couple weeks. Things I just want to, I just want to hold on to. Let it be fuel in my belly. We can't do that. We can't do that. We have to let those things go. If He is Lord of my life, and everybody that calls on Him and on His name is going to be saved, then I, I can't live a life where I'm going to try to keep that from people. I'm going to push that away from people. I have to be a forgiving person. I have to be an open person. I have to be a person that's willing to lay my life down for others. Not because I, I'm good or special. I'm full of I'm a mess. It's because he did it for me. There's no distinction between us. Like this, I, I think we forget there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. There's no distinction in Christians. I, I don't think we understand how radical this was, what Paul was writing. He was writing to the church in Rome, a multicultural church, a church that's full of people from all around the world, and he's saying, to Jesus, he's Lord of Lord of all. There is no country. There is no race. There is no ethnicity. There is no like, rivalries between it. Jesus is Lord of everything. And that's the anchor that he's trying to put. When Paul wrote this, there's no difference between Jew and Greek. That was radical. And how many times have we seen the rivalries of nations lead to great conflict and great pain and great suffering? 
when Jesus should be Lord of all. This is where you insert the political stuff. If your functional Lord right now is a political party, stop. Yes, get involved. Yes, have your side of whatever aisle you want to grab. Follow what you think. Follow what you, you feel is the right way to approach Christ in politics. Get into politics. Be a politician. Use your faith in great ways as anchors as you help lead people and lead countries and lead states and lead cities. But the minute you start replacing Jesus with a donkey or an elephant, you're in trouble. You're in serious trouble. If a political party aligns more with what you think, great, go for it. But the minute you start putting your faith and trust in a president or a governor or a city council member, instead of Jesus as Lord of Lords, you're missing it. Now, as an old social studies teacher, I very much think you should vote. I very much think you should be involved in those things. But just like this time, when you start dividing churches and dividing communities based upon political leanings, you're going right back to saying, Jew or Greek. Now what I love about living in Wyoming is that I've had great conversations with many of you on different parts of that political spectrum, and I'll make fun of you, and you make fun of me, and we're still friends, and we still drink coffee together. When we divide as people of faith, that's an affront to Jesus being Lord of Lords. I can disagree with you, but we have to agree that Jesus is Lord. If he is not, then we're putting our faith in political institutions. And I think I showed you a picture of a large portion of European history where there were kings, lords, vassals, knights, serfs. I don't know if you understand that that's like 500 years of European history. There are some countries in Europe that still have kings and queens. They're essentially figureheads now, but they have them. And nobody thinks that's a good way of leading. Nobody thinks that's a good way of having an institution anymore. Nobody. At least most of the Western world doesn't think that anymore. So if you're holding tight to this two-party political system we have here in the United States, I don't think it'll be around all that forever. And if any of your students of U.S. history, you realize that that's not how it was in the beginning anyway. Oh, I long for the days when you'd have a political run for president, and whoever got the most votes was president, whoever got the second most was vice president, and you had to combine parties, and they all hated each other. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? That would upset the entire political spectrum that this country loves so much now. Don't hold on tight to who's your Lord, unless it's Jesus. He's the only Lord. And we get the first picture of this, of baby Jesus as Lord, in Luke. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, mentions Jesus as Lord, I think it's 42 to 43 times. And two of those times is reference to God, and then the rest is referencing to Jesus. It's a lordship gospel. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
talking to some shepherds. In Jewish culture, shepherds were often the dirty ones. They weren't really welcomed around the priestly table because they were in contact with animal feces. They were in contact with blood. They were part of butchering. They had to be ritually cleansed before they could be around. And so for for the angels to pronounce to the shepherds, today, I don't know in our culture today what we would call um, maybe a rancher or maybe it'd be a Somebody works at a fast food restaurant. Someone who deals with food, deals with animals, deals with maybe be custodians. I don't know. People that might be slightly not the you're not the angels didn't go to the local key. Hey, by the way, you're out of a job. Uh, the baby's been born. He's going to take over. And what was the proclamation of the angels? Jesus Christ, Lord, the Messiah. He's here. Even that is a radical thing to proclaim. That the Lord of Lords was born as a baby, 100% man, 100% God, God in flesh, come to live amongst his people, amongst his creation, and then to save us. You won't find that in other religions. Think about all the religions of the world. Follow the five pillars, and it's the will of Allah. No hope, no secure hope. The Hindu system of reincarnation, the caste system I showed you. Make sure you do your role right. It's a way to keep a check on society. It's a way to keep people from achieving higher than their station in life. To keep a control over society. Even Buddhism, a break off of Hinduism. You can achieve nirvana. And then we have this baby boy, God in flesh, comes to be with us, to show us the way, to live with us, to guide us, to die for us. It's the beauty of King Jesus of Lord Jesus. He knows your pain. He walks with you. He wants to be with you. And he loves you. There's, I think we have some issues um, in the church around this lordship issue because we don't want to submit. We like the trust in Jesus part. Trust and faith are interchangeable in the scriptures. I trust in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. I trust him for his dying sacrifice on the cross, but when we get to submission to his lordship, we don't like that. Because it means I don't get to make decisions for myself on things that the Bible would call sin. I don't get to say, well, not for me. I don't get to live my life in a way that says, hey, it's all about me and I want to have all the fun and all the stuff. I want to do it my way. I have to, in the scriptures, I have to follow what Lord Jesus says. I have to listen to the Spirit. I have to follow His lead. I don't get to just do it my way. And how many people do we know that do the opposite? Maybe it's us in a lot of ways too. I want it my way. It doesn't feel 
how I want it. So I'm going to change things and do what I feel. If he's Lord, that's superior over everything. Now I was looking for some examples of kind of this idea of having a code. That I think the church has kind of lost part of that. The definitive, like, this is right, this is wrong, this is what the Bible says, this is what Jesus says. And I think over the years, we've started to kind of slowly move away from some, some good, solid beliefs. That we're not going to do this. I'm not going to shoot my neighbor when his dog comes over into the yard again. I'm not going to do these things because it's wrong. The Bible would say this is bad. And so I'm just going to, right? So I found something in Wyoming that would appeal to many of you. The Code of the West. I was with Savannah downtown um, on Friday, and we <clears throat> went into a local store, and I saw this. Not this, I found this version on the internet. Um, but I saw a couple of these signs you can buy. And some of you have seen this around here. Um, this is actually from the Wyoming Department of Education site. The Code of the West. Live each day with courage. <clears throat> Take pride in your work. Always finish what you start. Do what has to be done. Be tough. Be fair. When you make a promise, keep it. Ride for the brand. Talk less and say more. Remember some things aren't for sale and know where to draw the line. Remember a few years ago when the university had its big campaign? We still see the stickers around. The world needs more cowboys. And we jumped on that. thought it was great. Like, this is, we need, you know, what's it mean to you, though? The world needs more cowboys. Did you all go buy lariats? Is that what that meant to you? The world needs more cowboys. So it was a, it was a campaign to sell boots? Is that what that was? No, there was an underpinning under it of selflessness, of hard work, of sacrifice, of community, of taking care of neighbor, right? There was this underpinning that ever, like, this town loved that. But was it, the world needs more cowboys because we need less rules and more wishy-washy and more, no, it's, it's a desire for, to put some fences around society. There needs to be some fences around society. A couple years ago, there was a, it's still on, but a Disney show came out connected to Star Wars, called The Mandalorian. Some of you may have watched it, some of you may have not. And it was a, it's essentially a Western set in space. And over and over again, there was this code that this character, and he kept saying it, his, his race of people, or his group of people, like, this is the way. This is the way. And it was about, he's defending the innocent, he's doing this, there's a set of rules, there's a way to live your life, there's some guardrails around his life, and, and people loved it. Like this, the first season of this show went crazy. People loved it. And you'd hear people all the time, this is the way. This is the way. It came up in conversation, it came up like, what do you mean? Why was it so, because in a world that's starting to be so subjective, I make my own rules, I live my life my way, there are no rules. When these characters start popping up, say, there's a rule, there's a way. There's how we treat each other, there's how we don't treat each other, there's a lordship over our lives. 
and the culture, it's popping out as we've seen more and more people just kind of do their own thing. Go to the West. The world needs more cowboys. This is the way. I think it's a cultural reaction to we're letting everything else control us and not Jesus. We're not seeking him as Lord. We're seeking all these other things and we know in our bones it's not okay. The Bible would tell us there's a way. There's a way to live in your family. Paul's very clear in Colossians. Like you're, you don't, you're not heavy-handed with your children. You don't raise a hand to your spouse. The Bible over and over again says, don't murder. Don't covet. We're not going to do those things because that's against what we're supposed to be in the garden. It's against how it's supposed to be in the beginning and sin creeps in and makes it all wrong and so we need an order. We need a way. We need a way. This is wrong. This is right. This is okay. This is the way to live. This is not the way to live. And when we take out the guardrails and just do whatever we, what feels right, that's when everything starts to crumble. The only way is for Jesus to be Lord. If he's Lord, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're listening to the Word, or you're listening to the Spirit, you're reading the Word, you're in community, that's the way to live. He's Lord. Now, my question for you for the next week is who is Lord of your life? Is it career and accolades? Is it money? Is it your health? Are your children your Lord? Or you're gonna, they're number one in your life before Jesus? Is, is your spouse your Lord? That's a dangerous place too. No one should be in that place of lordship over your life. I mentioned political parties. How about sports teams? Are they the Lord of your life? And I know we all like sports. We like to watch things, but... It's always been, and I didn't grow up in a sport family, so it's hard for me, but I, I, always, I always found it hard that my, my entire week would be ruined over how some people played a game on a weekend. I just didn't grow up that way. Now, I grew up in a very divided home where Chevy was king, and if anyone drove a Ford into the driveway, my dad might flatten the tires, but... So even in my house growing up, we had our things. Who's Lord? Think about addictions that become lords of our lives. Think about desires that become lords of our lives. Who has that place of authority in your life? It must be Jesus, or it's all out of alignment. So this week, think about that. Pray about it. Go to Christ. You need to be Lord over these things. Because I put this, I've made this a Lord, and it's not okay. What is it? And during this Christmas season, during the season of Advent, where the only one that's going to bring peace, as we light the candle of preparation, the candle of peace today, the only one that's going to bring peace is Jesus. He's the only one. We can have treaties, we can have ceasefires, we can have all the stuff 
We can have all the reconciliation, but only Jesus is going to bring true peace. So what's stirring in your heart that's raging that you need to bring some peace to? Jesus is the only one that can do that. Sometimes you need some help. Sometimes that's us, that's the church. We'll step into those moments. But Jesus has to be king. He has to be Lord. It's how we're wired. It's how the world works. Anything else goes against that. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we've had together um, contemplating you as our Lord. And I pray as we go through this week, we would take some time to to do some self-reflection. What areas of our life are we trying to control ourselves? Or have we put something else in charge that shouldn't be there? You are everything to us, Lord. And I pray that we would get out of the way, stop being rebellious, and let you lead. Help us to be fulfilled in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.